Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know? There were seven different versions of Pokemon Gold and Silver, and it took almost three years from when Gen 2 first launched in Japan until the games finally made their way all around the world. They were ultimately translated into English, French, German, Spanish, Italian, and even Korean. Each localization featured some unique details, with regional differences starting before you even left your house in Newbart Town. In most countries, Mom's TV was playing an anime film, but in France, Mom was watching an 80s B-movie. Some versions had different Pokemon sprites, different buildings, and even some of the people were different. So I hope you'll forgive any mispronunciations on my part as we dig into Pokemon's second generation and take a look at how Gen 2 was changed all around the world. Pokemon Gold and Silver launched in Japan in late 1999 and included lots of Pokemon and trainer sprites that ended up getting changed in the international releases, but we'll get to those in a minute. Because the most significant Japan-exclusive content was actually in Pokemon Crystal. In every region outside Japan, the Pokemon Center in Goldenrod City was just like any other, but in Japanese versions, Goldenrod was home to the Pokemon Communication Center. By purchasing a $50 attachment called a Mobile Adapter GB and connecting it to a Game Boy Color and a cell phone, Japanese fans could use the communication center to battle and trade Pokemon over the internet. The Pokemon News Machine delivered a monthly publication directly to your Game Boy Color, costing about 10 cents per issue, the same price as each individual battle and trade. That's right, in 2001, Japanese Crystal featured both internet capabilities and microtransactions. The News Machine also provided many games, quizzes, and access to online leaderboards that kept track of how many steps you'd taken, battles fought, Pokemon traded, and even the largest Magikarp caught, and ranked players accordingly. You could view the high scores for all of Japan, or you could filter the results down to players in your region or area code, making it easy to see how you stacked up against the kids in your neighborhood. Japanese Crystal could even connect to Pokemon Stadium 2 and download battle data from official tournaments like the Nintendo Cup 2000. You could watch the tournament unfold on your TV, and you could even have an AI opponent take control of one of the tournament goers' Pokemon teams so you could battle against them with your own Pokemon, almost like you were actually part of the tournament yourself. Probably the biggest draw for Crystal's online service was the events it unlocked via DLC. There were downloadable events for items like Odd Eggs, with a high chance of hatching shiny baby Pokemon, as well as events that gave you Japan-exclusive items like the Blue Sky Mail and the Mirage Mail. But the most significant DLC event was the one that allowed fans to download the GS Ball, a key item that unlocked a level 30 Celebi in the Ilex Forest. The Celebi event was added back into international versions when Crystal was re-released on Virtual Console in 2018. However, all the other special features were left out, so there was a huge piece of Gen 2 that fans outside Japan never got to experience.
Even before Gen 2 released in Japan, Pokemon Company CEO Ishihara was already talking about how he wanted Pokemon games to release in every region all on the same day. But his goal didn't become a reality until four generations later, and it ended up taking almost a year to localize gold and silver for the American market. Just like in Gen 1, Nintendo of America staffer Hiro Nakamura was responsible for localizing all Gen 2's big words, the ones in all caps, like the names of characters, cities, items, attacks, and of course, Pokemon. Hero came up with the English names and then sent them to Game Freak and Nintendo's legal department for approval. But in some cases, the names he chose got rejected and had to be changed. Nob Ogasawara was responsible for all Gen 2's small words, comprising about 99% of the game's text. When we asked Nob how he translated Gen 2 differently compared to Gen 1, he told us he made a conscious decision to make the text of Gold and Silver more like Baby's First RPG, where Johto felt like a kid-friendly world full of excitement, scariness, and adventure. So he made the overall tone a bit more magical, and also removed some stuff that wasn't particularly well-suited for American kids. For instance, there's a man on Route 2 who gives you a nugget, but in Japanese, nuggets are called golden balls. This appears to be a deliberate dirty joke on Game Freak's part. In Japanese slang, golden balls means testicles, so the man is essentially saying, here's an old man's testicles, I hope you put them to good use. This PG-13 joke was repeated in future generations, and even appeared in the Sun and Moon anime. But in English, the joke was nipped in the bud right from the start, with Nob replacing Gen 2's text with a joke about nuggets of wisdom. So even though the old man's balls are a long-running meme in Japan, the joke simply never existed in English. And Nob took it upon himself to make some cultural edits as well, like changing the descriptions of all the Buddhist shrines to identify them as Diglett sculptures, just like he did in Gen 1. But it wasn't just the game's text, there were also some visual differences. 31 Pokemon sprites were altered for the American market, the most famous example of course being Jinx, whose black skin and blonde hair were changed to purple and white, due to the racial controversy surrounding Jinx in America. All the other sprites were changed to fix design inconsistencies, like Feraligator's white underbelly and Lantern's yellow spots. In both Gen 1 and 2, Pokemon designers created sprites first, then the art director Kensugi Mori made their official artwork later, often making design revisions as he saw fit. But after Sugimori's revisions, the sprites themselves weren't revised to match the artwork, leaving lots of inconsistencies between the Pokemon's art and sprites. However, most of these inconsistencies were fixed during Gold and Silver's year-long localization process, which is why so many sprites were different in the original Japanese versions compared to the later international versions. Likewise, some sprites were changed for consistency with the anime, like Slowpoke for example. Sugimori's artwork never revealed what Slowpoke's belly looked like, so in Japan it was white, but in the West it was later changed to pink to match Slowpoke's anime appearances. The same can be said for Teddy Ursa feet and Don Fan's trunk. Five trainer sprites were changed as well, but for cultural reasons. Fishers had their cigarettes taken away, mediums had their religious beads confiscated, and sages' folded prayer hands were changed to crossed arms. Female swimmers and beauties were made just a little less sexy. In Japan, they were winking, but in America, their eyes were pried back open, and beauties had about 12 inches of extra material sewn onto their skirts. The final results of the localization process was that the English versions of Gen 2 were more kid-friendly, featured sprites that looked more like the Pokemon they represented. And of course, all the online features were unfortunately stripped out as well. 
Just like in Gen 1, the European versions of Gen 2 were all based on the English localization. In other words, they were translations of a translation, two steps removed from the original source material. But unlike in America, Europe had an almost entirely new team of translators. There were 15 translators in total, but only three of them had been around during Gen 1. Julian Bartikoff, the lead French translator, was one of those three. Julian gave us the inside scoop on our Gen 1 video, so we brought him back for this video to tell us how things went down down in Gen 2. Early in Gen 1's localization, Game Freak originally wanted Europe to use Pokemon's Japanese names, so Julian had to fight for the right to give Pokemon new French names, for example by telling Game Freak that Squirtle and Charmander's Japanese names sounded like the French slang words for stoner and feces. Game Freak didn't really trust him, but they ultimately gave in, and grudgingly allowed Julian to rename old Gen 1's Pokemon. After Red and Blue launched in France, Julian's translation was so well received by fans and critics alike that Game Freak felt he'd proven himself. So for Gen 2, they were now more than happy to let him create new French names for all the Johto Pokemon. Julian's penchant for injecting mysticism into Pokemon names, his love of movies, and his newfound clout resulted in the French versions featuring more unique differences, more so than any other localization, including English. Julian renamed Mist Revis Fafarev, a reference to Will of the Wisps from mythology and folk tales all around the world. According to legend, Will of the Wisps are ghostly lights which witnessed by travelers in the night, who get led astray in the hope the lights are a friendly presence carrying a lantern. Julian also renamed Crobat Nostinfair, a combination of Nosferatu and the French word for hell. In fact, he named the entire Zubat family after Nosferatu. The 1922 German horror film about a vampire with a special interest in the wife of his real estate agent. In the Japanese and English versions of Pewter City, you can trade your hunter for a Zatu nicknamed Paul. Julian changed Paul's name to Quetzalcoatl in honor of Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent worshipped by some ancient Mesoamerican tribe as the god of wind and wisdom. In every region except France, the TV at your house in Newbarktown is playing Night on the Galactic Railroad, a 1985 anime movie about two boys who ride a train into the stars and past Christian heaven. Interestingly, the main character Giovanni was voiced by Veronica Taylor in the English dub, the same actress who played the voice of Ash Ketchum. But in the French version, Julian changed the TV's description so it was showing Have a Drink and Take It Easy in Saint-Tropez, an French comedy about a girl who tells her parents she's going to Brittany to study, but actually spends her summer partying in the south of France. When we asked Julian why he changed the TV, he said, because it was funny to imagine that kind of B-movie airing on the TV channels of fantasy Japan. Haha. -ha. In fact, Julian said he injected B-movie references into all the games he translated, including Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, and Banjo-Kazooie. As we mentioned in our Gen 1 video, the Spanish and Italian translations had fewer staff and a smaller budget so neither language was ever given unique Pokemon names. Both versions were also plagued with lots of translation errors, and almost all the mistakes made in Gen 1 were carried over into Gen 2. Also in Spanish, the attack counter was mistranslated to Contador. In Italian, it was mistranslated to Contatori. Rather than a counterattack, both words refer to something that counts, like a water meter or a scoreboard. Italian translator Elena Fogazzaro told us the same mistake was made in both languages because the Spanish translators got it wrong first, 
best. Then the Italians basically copy their homework. In short, out of all seven versions, the Spanish and Italian localizations were basically the runts of the litter. Just like in Gen 1, the Germans fulfilled their cultural stereotype, and their localization was efficient and accurate. They didn't use as much imagination as the French, but they also made far fewer errors compared to the Spanish and Italians. But there were a few oddities, like how up until Gen 8, the paralysis-inducing attack glare was mistranslated to Giftblick, which actually means poison glance, frustrating German players who wanted to poison their enemies but ended up paralyzing them instead. The Germans also renamed Cyndaquil Furigul, which means fire hedgehog. This made some German fans believe that Cyndaquil was a hedgehog, even though the Pokedex actually classifies Cyndaquil as a mouse. The last of the bunch, South Korea, finally got localizations of gold and silver in 2002, more than a year after Europe and almost three years after the games first launched in Japan. While the European localizations were more similar to the English versions, the Korean localization was closer to the original Japanese releases. In Korea, they used the same sprites as in Japan, even Jinx, and they used all the original trainer sprites as well. Pokemon did get unique Korean names, but they were mostly just direct translations or transliterations of their Japanese names, and didn't feature any references to culture or mythology. But there is one name that stands out. Ho-Oh is called Chilsek Jo, which means seven-colored bird, presumably because of the Pokemon's association with rainbows. Unlike every other region's gold and silver, the Korean versions could not be played on a Game Boy. Korean text is so complicated that the game's text rendering system actually demands more video RAM to display it than all the other languages, meaning it can only be played on a Game Boy Color. In an even more unfortunate turn of events for South Korea, they never received a localization of Pokemon Crystal at all, and thus never got access to Japan's online features or DLC. But at least South Korea got gold and silver. Most regions were neglected entirely. Some of the world's most prominent languages never got any Gen 2 localizations, including Chinese, Hindi, Arabic, and Portuguese. In total, about half the world's population never got to play Gold, Silver, or Crystal because they didn't speak any of the seven languages the games were translated into. Or more accurately, I should say officially translated into, because there were some bootlegs produced to meet demand in those neglected regions, especially in China, due to their lax laws dealing with intellectual property rights. The most famous of these bootlegs is what fans lovingly refer to as Vietnamese Crystal. These pirated cartridges circulated widely in Vietnam in the early 2000s and are believed to have come into existence when the original Japanese games were illegally translated into Chinese, then later got translated into English. In other words, they were a pirate's translation of a pirate's translation. Vietnamese Crystal famously refers to Pokemon as elves, displays the word f whenever you receive an item, and contains lots of bizarre quotes, like, the tower is built for pocket monsters to practice Buddhism, or asses is $1,000. Pokemon is the world's largest multimedia franchise after all, and it just goes to show that nature abhors a vacuum, and when it comes to Pokemon, life finds a way. Did you know? Zekrom and Reshiram weren't originally black and white in color. According to Gen 5's art director, Ken Sugimori, they were initially more colorful, as Sugimori thought monochromatic designs were boring and wouldn't look good on the game's box art. But later in development, he was persuaded to remove most of their colors to better express Gen 5's theme of polarity, or extreme opposites. The alternate artwork included in the game's manual actually depicts Zekrom and Reshiram from earlier on in the design process, which ended up getting repurposed as what they look like when they're powered up. But 
Sugimori implied they were originally even more colorful than that, so it's possible the dragon's unused colors made their way into black and white Q-Rim's designs a few years later. On the other hand, Unova's Elite Four originally were all black and white, with Chantal and Grimsley in all black, and Marshall and Caitlyn all white. But before the games released, color was added to the Elite Four, while color was removed from the legendary dragons. Except for the spin-off games Pokemon Coliseum and Gale of Darkness, which were set in the Arizona-inspired Ore region, the first four generations were all set in regions based on real-life places in Japan. But the trend was broken after series director Junichi Masuda visited Manhattan on a 2007 promotional tour, and was so impressed by the city's diversity that he decided to make it the basis of the next Pokemon region. Just after Gen 5's launch in Japan, he told Nintendo Power, I visited New York for the launch of Diamond and Pearl and spent a lot of time wandering around. I was impressed with how many different nationalities of people lived there, and the individual communities with their special events and street festivals. It had such an international feel, like a world without borders. It seemed like it would be an ideal setting for a video game, and that inspired me to give it a try. Masuda later admitted to then-Nintendo president Satoru Iwata he also had a personal interest in choosing New York because in addition to being the series director, he was also the music composer. In the past, the Pokemon Company hosted a series of concerts in all the Japanese regions their games were set in, including the real-life region of Kanto. Masuda dreamed of seeing his music performed in the world-famous theaters of New York on their next concert tour, and this desire was part of his motivation to make New York the setting for the fifth generation. Masuda's favorite classical composer was Igor Stravinsky, a 19th century conductor that influenced Masuda while making music for Pokemon games. Stravinsky played at New York theaters like Carnegie Hall and ultimately spent his final years in New York and died on Fifth Avenue, so it must have meant something quite profound for Masuda to follow in Stravinsky's footsteps in the New York theater scene. But after Black and White were already finished, Masuda found out it would be too complicated and expensive to fly their Japanese orchestra to the United States, so the New York concerts he'd been dreaming about never became a reality. If he had known that from the start, Gen 5 may have taken place somewhere else and have turned out completely different. Japan is one of the most homogenous countries in the world, with a population that is almost 98% Japanese, but New York is made up of countless different races and cultures, so Masuda was determined to make Unova the most diverse region yet, both with its human characters as well as its Pokémon. It was decided that Gen 5 starters would stand for three unique cultures. The Snivy line would represent Europe, the Tepig family, China, and the Oshawott line would represent Japan. According to Ken Sugimori, Superior was inspired by Lady Oscar, the star of the 1970s manga The Rose of Versailles. Lady Oscar was a girl raised as a man to take her father's role as the captain of the French Palace Guard. But when the French Revolution turned the country upside down, she renounced her title and joined the lower classes, marching on the Bastille. In the end, she's shot by soldiers during the siege and dies of her wounds just as the revolutionaries take Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Control of the prison. Sugimori says Embor was inspired by another fallen soldier, Zhang Fei from the classic Chinese novel Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Based on a real historical figure from nearly 2,000 years ago, Zhang Fei was a war general known for his bravery and loyalty, but also his drunkenness 
and hot temper. His story comes to an end when he's killed by his own soldiers, so they can defect to the enemy Wu Kingdom and present his decapitated head as a gift to the Emperor. The Water Starters, however, were never associated with a specific character. Instead, Sugimori says they're meant to symbolize the lifespan of a samurai, from a child that grows into a military commander. In their efforts to make the human characters as diverse as possible, Game Freak also took body types into consideration. Gym leader Clay represents a Japanese businessman that moves to New York City seeking fortune. And since the game didn't have any rotund gym leaders yet, the designers made Clay short and fat purely for the sake of inclusion. Gym leader Skyla was created as a woman who is a leader of men, which is why all of the lower level trainers in her gym are male workers and pilots. Game Freak made Lenora the series' first black gym leader, instilling her with motherly qualities and a work apron for digging up fossils. But their good intentions backfired after Lenora's design was interpreted by some fans as a racist depiction of the mammy housekeeper stereotype, made even worse by the fact her gym leader title in the Japanese version was Natural Born Mama. As a result, lots of details surrounding Lenora were censored when the games, anime, and manga were brought to the West, starting with her title, which changed to An Archaeologist with Backbone, and her official artwork, which was changed from Lenora wearing her apron to having it thrown casually over her shoulder. Three episodes of the black and white anime had her apron censored out when they aired internationally, and it was removed from the Pokemon Adventures manga altogether. Gen 5 was also the first generation to have a female professor. This was thanks to Sugimori, who says Professor Juniper was originally a man until halfway into development, when he insisted the character should be changed into a woman. He said, I went and complained to Masuda. I told him, make the professor a woman. I was the one who'd proposed the changes, so I decided to design her myself. I thought she'd be kind of a New Yorker type. In other words, a real career woman. Just like the NPCs, many of Unova's Pokemon were made with a New York theme, like Trubbish and Garboder, who look like trash bags, symbolizing the big city's pollution. New York is also home to about 4 million pigeons, so Game Freak filled Unova with lots of pigeon Pokemon. The Crooked Isle family represents crime and the mob, and Scraggy and Scrafty wear baggy jeans made from their shedding skin, playing the role of urban youth who sag their pants. The Timber family are based on construction workers, and Watchhog is based on a road worker in a safety vest. Basculin was added late in development due to the region being short on standard water Pokemon, with Sugimori saying they made it a bass because New York is a good place for bass fishing. Rather than New York specifically, some Unovan Pokemon were themed after the whole country. According to Takao Unno, he designed Rufflet and Braviary by mixing Native American imagery and symbols of Uncle Sam to make them as American as possible. Likewise, Bufalant is based on buffalo that roamed the open plains until they were hunted almost to extinction in the 1800s. Visually, LGM and BHEM borrow extraterrestrial traits from American science fiction movies like War of the Worlds and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and their names are alien-inspired as well. LGM is a play on LGM, an acronym for Little Green Men, while BHEM is a play on BEM, short for Bug-Eyed Monster. They most resemble the Area 51 aliens, with LGM's Pokedex entry telling us that rumors of its origin are linked to a UFO crash site in the desert 50 years ago referencing the supposed UFO crash that landed in Roswell, and was covered up by the US government in 1947. But being Pokemon games, many Gen 5 designs ended up drawing much of their inspiration from Japanese culture. Pan Sage, Pan Seer, and Pan Por's poses are a nod to the Three Wise Monkeys, a common illustration in the Japanese proverb, see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. An extreme
expression most often used to scold people who turn a blind eye to evil. Some variations of the proverb include a fourth monkey who represents do no evil, or in other variations, smell no evil. But the do no evil monkey's pose usually depicts him with his hands covering his genitals. So if Game Freak ever decides to add a fourth elemental monkey someday, you can expect it'll probably be smelling no evil in its official artwork. Darumaka and Darmanitan are based on Buddhist Daruma dolls. At the end of each year in Japan, there's a ceremony called the Daruma Kuyo, where these dolls are returned to the temples where they were originally purchased. The dolls are thanked for the good luck they brought over the past year, and then are burned in mass. Then, new Daruma dolls are bought from the temple for the coming year, and the cycle begins anew. These dolls come in a variety of designs, but when a member of the Pokemon team attended a burning ceremony, the doll they set on fire just happens to look like a gorilla, which is what inspired them to make a family of fire-type gorilla Pokemon. And this also explains why the Pokedex classifies Darumaka as the Zen Charm Pokemon. The Litwick family was inspired by Will-O-The-Wisps and Hitodama, souls of the dead that separate from their bodies and become balls of fire. According to Ken Sugimori, early in development, the Litwick family was originally a flame that evolved into a candle, then into a lamp. But its initial flame stage ended up being scrapped, and Game Freak added a chandelier to the ghost family instead. Many Pokemon designs are based on Japanese monster movies and TV shows, especially Ultraman and Godzilla. The Godzilla franchise was created by Japanese film company Toho, and they've actually been partners with the Pokemon company ever since Mewtwo Strikes Back in 1998. Toho's been the Japanese distributor for every Pokemon movie ever made, and they even let Pokemon movies reuse a lot of their monster movie sound effects, so it shouldn't come as a surprise that dozens of Pokemon are based on Toho monsters, including several in Gen 5. Sugimori says Volcarona originally had four wings, but ended up receiving two more later on in development. This is probably because Volcarona is based on Mothra from the Godzilla movies. In fact, Volcarona's German name is Ramoth, an anagram of the name Mothra. Bisharp bears a strong resemblance to Jet Jaguar, the heroic robot from 1973's Godzilla vs. Megalon. In its normal form, Jet Jaguar is about the same size as Bisharp, but he can transform into a 150-foot-tall giant. Earlier in development, Hydreigon had eight heads and was based on Yamata no Orochi, a legendary eight-headed dragon from Japanese mythology. But the design was too complicated, so the head count was reduced to three. But it retained six wings, so its silhouette had the appearance of a nine-headed dragon. According to Sugimori, this makes Hydreigon one head better than Yamata no Orochi. Its final design ended up looking a lot like King Ghidorah, also known as the three-headed monster, one of Toho's most famous kaiju. But Sugimori says even before the Orochi motif, the Hydreigon family were originally designed as a family of tank dragons, and the purple treads on their bellies are leftovers from when they were still based on tanks. This might explain why Hydreigon's family's shinies are green, since Pokémon's beta colors are sometimes repurposed as their shiny colors. This may have happened to Dwebble as well, who's got a red shiny and was probably fire-type earlier on in development. Sugimori says Dwebble and Crustle were originally furnace Pokémon, with shells made out of kiln-fired pottery, but their designs were revised. Masuda told the design team to make Gen 5's Pokémon cooler than the Pokémon from previous gens, which led to most Unova designs having sharper angles, whereas earlier Pokémon were much more round. In a series of Japanese magazines Did You Know Gaming had translated for this video, Ken Sugimori revealed many secrets about Gen 5's Pokémon, like that Stunfisk was originally a blue goosefish and was created as the world's flattest Pokémon. But later in development, Stunfisk was revised into a brown flounder, and had its water and electric typing changed to ground and electric. Sugimori's team also came up with an ant Pokémon who would have been the world's smallest Pokémon, but it didn't make the final cut. The 
Galil family originally had three stages, but one stage got cut due to Unova having too many grass-type Pokémon. Early in development, there was also a family of snail Pokémon who were meant to serve as prey and get eaten by the Carablast family. But they were replaced with the Shelmet family, who initially didn't have a connection with Carablast. And Haxorus was actually made during Platinum's development, making it the very first Unova Pokémon. It was designed even before Axew and Fracture, who were made by reverse-engineering Haxorus's design. The same way, Bulbasaur, Charmander, and Squirtle were reverse-engineered from Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise during Gen 1's development. Another secret is that lots of fans probably don't realize Superior actually has hands. It just keeps them folded behind its back so it looks regal. Early in development, Pokémon designer Yusuke Omura was visiting an aquarium, and there just happened to be an otter exhibit right next to a live sea lion show, which inspired him to make Oshawott, an otter, evolve into Samurott, a sea lion. And one other time, Omura was fishing and accidentally hooked a giant, disgusting eel on his fishing rod, inspiring him to make the Electric family. According to Sugimori, Volibi uses dead Pokémon's bones as a nest and grows up inside of them. Mandibuzz wears a jawbone as a skirt, and their bones fit together to make an upside-down skull. In late 2019, Pokémon designer James Turner deleted 96 tweets he'd shared over the past few years, which had lots of behind-the-scenes info. Presumably, it was Game Freak who had asked him to delete the tweets, but fortunately, did you know gaming's own? Dr. Lava archived them all before they were deleted. According to the tweets, the game's planners, like Junichi Masuda, would provide a design brief covering the required elemental type of each new Pokémon, the number of evolutionary stages, and the kind of environment they'd be found in, like a cave or beach setting. Once the designer made their Pokémon, they presented it to the art director, Ken Sugimori, to approve or suggest revisions. About two-thirds of the Pokémon were killed off at this stage, with only 156 of the approximately 500 Pokémon getting approved. Once a designer made a Pokémon that was approved, they'd make a reference sheet showing the Pokémon from every angle. After that, what became of the Pokémon was mostly out of their control. Game Freak's battle team chose the movesets and stats, and although the designer could make suggestions, the Pokémon company's lore expert usually chose the Pokémon's name, lore, and Pokédex entries. As far as design inspirations, James made Vanillux as a nod to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters, as both Gen 5 and Ghostbusters are set in New York City. He also tweeted out these images of Snowless Vanillite and Vanillux, saying their ice creams a sheet of snow hiding their true form, which are just bodies of ice. James also made a cannon mode for Golurk, which has never appeared in the mainline Pokémon games, at least not yet, but it was featured in the 2011 Wii game, Poké Park 2. Canon mode has also been seen more recently in episode 14 of the Pokémon Journeys anime, where it's described as Golurk's ultimate attack. According to James, unlike more recent gens, the designers didn't get to choose the shiny colors of the Pokémon they made for Gen 5, and he wishes he could change Golurk's shiny to, quote, make him look a bit cooler. The first four generations of Pokémon games were all localized into English almost entirely by one man, Nintendo of America freelancer Nob Ogasawara. Then, the other versions, like the French, German, and Spanish were all based on Nob's work. In other words, Nob was responsible for lots of small details experienced by fans outside of Japan. He changed a hiker on Route 10 from being high on magic mushrooms to having a bad case of hay fever, and added lots of cultural references like gym leader Fantina saying, Never give up! Never surrender! An iconic phrase from sci-fi comedy Galaxy Quest. Did You Know Gaming spoke with Nob as well as one of Gen 5's translators, David Numrich, who told us that after Diamond and Pearl, the Pokémon 
company completely changed the localization process, and due to contract complications, Knob ended up getting cut from the deal when the restructuring was complete. The company made a new system that could handle everything in-house for a quicker turnaround, and so every version was translated from Japanese directly into every other language, instead of being based on the English version. This meant that the localization of Gen 5 had a lot more cooks in the kitchen, and if Knob's reign hadn't come to an end, lots of Gen 5 Pokemon names would be different as well. But even though Knob wasn't around after Gen 4, his spirit lives on more than a decade later as a hiker just west of Bill's house in Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Once Black and White's development came to a close, it seems Game Freak didn't know what they wanted to do next. The game's internal data, external documents, and lots of developer quotes all suggest uncertainty. X and Y's development began immediately after Black and White were finished, and at least one prominent designer told reporters Gen 5 was done, and that fans shouldn't expect any more Unova games. At one point, Masuda admitted they didn't know if Pokemon Gray or a fifth generation sequel should come next, but the full story surrounding Gray version is too long to cover here. In fact, it's a project we've been working on for over a year. We'll release a dedicated video in the near future on Pokemon Gray, so make sure you're subscribed if you don't want to miss it. In 2012, Jinichi Masuda even said there could be a Black and White 3, but in the end, Pokemon's fifth generation came to a close with Black and White 2, the first and currently last time Game Freak released numbered sequels. The developers stated motivation for breaking precedent varied over the years, but the official explanation they repeated more than any other, whether you believe it or not, was a desire to surprise fans and to continue Black and White's story. To quote them in their own words, Pokemon Company President Ishihara said that lots of players were expecting us to follow the same pattern, so for the first time, we decided to try adding a 2 for a pleasant surprise. That sort of surprise is what gives this product its newness. With the developers for the original Black and White, there was a lot more experimentation as they considered how best to reboot the franchise. For example, N was originally supposed to be a lot creepier before they dialed it back, but for the sequels, most of their effort was focused on finding ways to remix the Unova region. As a result, there weren't nearly as many ideas scrapped in development, but there was a significant amount of content originally planned for Driftvale City that didn't make the final cut. In the two years that passed between Black and White and Black and White 2, a new facility sprung up in Driftvale called the Pokemon World Tournament, where players took part in tournaments with prominent trainers like gym leaders and Elite Four from previous generations. Fans could also download three unique tournaments and battle against 12 real-life competitors from the 2012 Pokemon World Championship. The 2012 Pokemon World Championship was held in Hawaii and split into three age groups, juniors, seniors, and masters. The top four competitors from each age group, as well as their Pokemon teams, were all added to Black and White 2 as DLC tournaments, enshrining those fans forever as part of Pokemon history. Did you know gaming spoke with Nitesh Manim, one of the Senior Division's Final Four, who said they told the participants after the event that we'd be getting our own downloadable characters. I was excited that I would have my own character. However, the full excitement didn't hit until my character was released, and I was able to battle myself. Having my own in-game character meant a lot to me, and I know it also meant a lot to the other competitors. However, hidden inside the game's internal data, there are three more tournaments that didn't make it into the game. The top 12 finalists from 2011, previous year's Pokemon World Championships. The programming for these tournaments was never finished, depriving those 12 champions of their place in the history books. We spoke with one of the champions, Inosh Shahar, who was honored to be included in Black and White 2's data, but heartbroken he was cut from the game itself. Inosh told us, I've played Pokemon since I was little, and it felt like the coolest thing to be immortalized in the franchise by literally being coded into the game. I was really looking forward to being able to 
to battle myself. The in-game AI is usually pretty terrible, but I still figured I'd get some laughs. And even though it didn't make it to the final release, I'm glad they added something for the Pokemon World Championships 2012. Leaving a mark on the game we love to play is just so satisfying. It was completely unexpected because they've never done something like that before. At the end of Pokemon Gold and Silver, there's a battle against the strongest trainer in the game, Red from Gen 1. Fighting your previous self in Mount Silver was Gen 2's biggest battle, serving as the grand finale of the game. A similar idea was planned for Black and White 2, where the player would have an epic battle against Hilbert and Hilda, the protagonists from Black and White 1. The internal data includes text for the PWT building like, Meet Hilbert, the trainer some claim to be the strongest of all, and dialogue where Hilda tells you, Make your dreams come true. Someone once encouraged me to do that. Even now, I'm continuing my journey to realize those dreams. Which is a reference to the final scene in Black and White, when N tells the player to make their dreams come true. But unfortunately, just like Inosha and the rest of the 2011 champs, Gen 5's biggest battle ended up being cut. There was also some content in the PWT building that wasn't cut, but was made available exclusively in Japan. The only tournaments available for download internationally were the three based on the 2012 championships, but in Japan, there were six more tournaments, including one focused on Lance the Dragon Trainer, and two more focusing on legendary Pokémon. But the most memorable Japanese tournament was the last one added to the game. It was called You Can Challenge the Unova League 2, consisting of four battles against Ash's rivals from the black and white anime, Virgil, Cameron, Stefan, and a final battle against Trip. Unfortunately, none of the PWT tournaments have been available anywhere in the world since Nintendo shut the server down in 2014. However, all nine events were preserved by Project Pokémon, and fans around the world can still download them and experience them using a link in this video's description. Did you know? The first generation of Pokemon games have a number of oversights, one of which occurs as soon as players start a new game. During Professor Oak's introduction to the Pokemon world, he sends out a Nidorino that uses the cry of a Nidorina instead. The original versions of Red and Green had even more mistakes. If the player fights the gym leader Sabrina and loses, then re-enters the gym, the game believes the player has won, and gives them the gym's badge and TM46. In the Pokemon Center outside Mount Moon, the player is able to buy a Magikarp from a salesman for 500 Poké Dollars. However, if both the player's party and current PC box are full, the salesman will take their money without giving them the Magic Carp, which can be repeated. Mistakes like these were caught and rectified in later releases of the Kanto games, such as the special Pokémon Blue and Yellow editions. However, more errors sprung up in their place. In the Cerulean Gym, as well as Lorelei's room at the Pokémon League, wild Pokémon are programmed in the water tiles of both areas. If the player has a rod equipped, they can fish for several kinds of water-type Pokémon. Any rod works just fine in red and blue, but in yellow only the old and good rod will work. This oversight also showed up in gold and silver, but was finally fixed for Pokémon Crystal. Kanto's Celadon City Hotel has nothing of interest for the player. However, in red and blue, it oddly features an invisible PC. This is because the hotel uses the same layout as the game's Pokémon centers, and if the player goes to where a computer would be in a center, they can access a PC in the hotel. There are other invisible PCs that can be found in 
in Fuchsia City's Safari Zone. These are inaccessible without hacking the game, however, and they were fixed in Pokemon Yellow. The games have fallen victim to a number of translation errors in various regions over the years. For instance, the Spanish versions of Red and Blue were known for having spotty translation work. In the English game, when players hook a Pokemon with a rod, the text, the hooked Pokemon attacked, will appear. In the Spanish game, however, the text was translated as saying, El Mavado Pokemon Ataco, meaning the wicked or evil Pokemon attacked. This mistranslation is particularly impressive as we spoke to several native Spanish speakers and none of them could explain how this happened. Moves in the Spanish version had their own fair share of mistakes, notably with the move Slam. Descriptions of the move imply that Pokemon perform a kind of body slam attack, but in Spanish, the move was known as Portazo, literally meaning door slam. This error wasn't fixed until the release of Pokemon X and Y, when it was finally changed to Atezar, meaning to land a blow. The Gen 1 move Comet Punch is called Consecutive Punch in the Japanese game. This caused issues when a move actually called Comet Punch was added to the Japanese games in Gen 3. When this move's name was localized, it was renamed to Meteor Mash. This is why the move has always been illustrated in battle with a punch, and can be affected by the Iron Fist ability, which boosts punch-based attacks. In Pokemon Coliseum, the move Frenzy Plant was erroneously called Solid Plant in English, though the name does more closely resemble the move's Japanese name, Hard Plant. Frenzy Plant, along with Blast Burn and Hydro Cannon, were first made accessible in Fire Red and Leaf Green, though Coliseum came out several months prior. Even so, the proper name exists in Ruby and Sapphire's data, so it's likely just a placeholder error. The move Transform has a peculiar way of working in the first two generations. Any Pokemon using the move is regarded as a Ditto, as Ditto is one of the only two Pokemon who can learn the move at all. If the player catches a Pokemon that used Transform via mirror moves such as Spearow or Pidgey, or a glitch Pokemon using the move, they'll end up with a Ditto. Mew is the only other Pokemon who learns Transform, though it can't be found in the wild. Mainline games have a number of instances of Pokemon using moves they shouldn't be able to learn. In pre-released footage, Pokemon have also been shown using moves they're unable to learn in the final game. In early screenshots for Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, Mega Blaziken was seen using the move Ice Punch, which it couldn't use come the game's release. The official Japanese Pokemon website issued an apology for any misleading information and later removed the images. Probably the most well-known example of an illegitimate move is found with Lance's Dragonite in Pokemon red and blue, which had the move Barrier, a move Dragonite has never been able to learn. This error was referenced in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, where a Dragonite that could use Barrier was given away to participants of the Kanto Classic Wi-Fi event in 2016. Lance's Aerodactyl in Gold and Silver also has the move Rock Slide, which it couldn't learn until the next generation. Type matchups didn't always work as intended either. The Ghost type was supposed to be super effective against Psychic types in the first generation, but in practice it's very much the opposite. Not only were all ghost types in the game weak to psychic due to their secondary poison typing, but there were only three ghost moves in the first gen, Lick, Confuse Ray, and Nightshade. With Nightshade doing fixed damage and Confuse Ray being a status-based move, Lick was the only one to do direct damage. However, when used on a psychic type, it has no effect whatsoever. There were many official sources that claimed ghost was good against psychic. This included official Nintendo strategy guides, episodes of the Pokemon anime, and a trainer in Sabrina's gym who claimed 
claims the type is one of the only two effective against psychic Pokemon. This text was actually removed in yellow, and by the time gold and silver came out, the error was fixed altogether. The dragon type was also meant to be super effective on itself in the first generation, though in this case the only dragon move that existed was Dragon Rage, which like Nightshade did not do super effects damage. Though the second generation fixed many problems that plagued the Kanto games, they had their fair share of oversights, notably with new mechanics. New variations of Pokeballs were introduced to make certain Pokemon easier to catch, but nearly half of them don't work as advertised. The Love Ball was said to make Pokemon of the same species and opposite gender an easier catch, but the effect only works if the wild Pokemon is the same gender as the player's Pokemon. The Fast Ball was made for Pokemon that flee from battle, though of the 21 Pokemon able to run away, the ball only works on three, Magnemite, Tangela, and Grimer. As an aside, a few of the Pokemon programmed to flee either can't be found in the wild or don't appear in the game at all, like Eevee and Umbreon, as well as the legendary birds. Strangest of all is the Moon Ball, made to catch Pokemon that evolve with the Moonstone, such as Jigglypuff and Clefairy. However, the effect is instead determined by checking if the Pokemon evolves holding the Burn Heal item. To this day, no Pokemon evolves with Burn Heal, and due to this, the ball functions like a regular Pokeball. Gold and Silver also introduced held items to the series, not all working as planned. The Dragon Fang was supposed to boost the power of Dragon-type moves, but it actually doesn't do a thing when held. The effects can instead be found in the Dragon Scale item, which evolves Seedra into Kingdra when traded. This was fixed in Pokemon Stadium 2. Stadium 1 and 2 fixed many gameplay issues found in the handheld games, though they've got a few mistakes of their own. In Stadium 2, if the player hooks up the transfer pack with Pokemon Blue to look up the locations of the game's wild Pokemon, it will instead show the location of Pokemon from the Japanese version of the game. The international versions of Red and Blue are based on Japanese Blue's layout, but the Pokemon selection is taken from Red and Green. For example, Jinx can be found in the Seafoam Islands in Japanese Blue, but can only be obtained through an in-game trade in the international versions. Players can also transfer items to other games via transfer pack, potentially breaking a few story sequences. It's possible for Kanto players to face Sabrina as early as the second gym, as the only roadblock to Saffron is the officer wanting a drink from the player. Stadium 2 also features an oversight which allows for infinite continues in Stadium mode. The player must first enter any battle in Stadium mode and earn a continue, after which they must suspend, enter another Stadium cup, and earn one more continue. The next time the player loses, they must choose the suspend option. Then the game will warn the player of an already suspended game. If they choose the option continue without suspending, they'll be able to rematch the trainer they just lost to, all without using up a continue. If the player gets to Cinnabar Island, they can trade a mana Raichu for an Electrode. If the player talks to him again, the man will say, the Raichu you traded me went and evolved. Although this sparked many rumors of Raichu being able to evolve, it was simply an error. The English Pokemon Red and Blue are based on the Japanese Special Edition Pokemon Blue, and in that game, the old man trades a Kadabra for a Graveler, and was exclaiming that the Kadabra had evolved into an Alakazam. The original Japanese Red and Green versions also had the old man trading a Raichu for an Electrode, and the English game was likely referencing this text without fixing the actual trade. Funnily enough, we'd find out years later that Raichu was planned to evolve in the beta versions of Pokemon Red and Green into the unused Pokemon Gorochu. In a similar fashion, the trade of Poliwhirl for Jinx in Cerulean City also features the same dialogue, with an old man saying Poliwhirl had evolved. This is because the man originally traded a Haunter for a Machoke, both of which evolved by trading. Coincidentally, Poliwhirl ended up receiving a trade evolution in the form of Politoed one generation later. In the Gen 1 games, the player is able to play the cries of the Pokemon registered in their Pokédex. For an unknown reason, if Pikachu's cry is played repeatedly, 
every fifth or sixth time the cry is heard, it will be slightly distorted. Though the games have gotten more polished over the years, oversights still pop up from time to time, even in Pokemon Sun and Moon. When evolving a Pokemon, for instance, before the Pokemon is evolving text appears, its evolved form may show up in the top left corner of the screen in a blink and you'll miss it moment. In Pokemon Moon, the totem Raticate uses the cry of the Pokemon Gumshoes. This is because in Pokemon Sun, Gumshoes is the corresponding totem Pokemon. Did you know? There's a theory perpetuated by some fundamentalist Christians that claims Pokemon encourages Satanism. At the core of this belief is the suggestion that Pokemon promotes evolution and the occult, which are believed to be anti-Christian and satanic. This is partly based on claims that, in certain cases, Pokemon can only evolve through the use of supposed magic evolution stones. Pokemon can also be controlled using gym badges, similar in nature to magical talismans such as the Seal of Solomon. The Seal of Solomon is noted in medieval Islamic, Christian, and Jewish traditions for giving King Solomon Solomon's supernatural powers. This included the ability to command demons. One story tells of a demon named Orneus, who was stamped with a seal in order to be controlled. Solomon then ordered Orneus to imprint the prince of all demons with this seal to bring the entire demon race under Solomon's rule. In this story, the prince of demons is known as Beelzebul, who is often interpreted as the devil himself. The theory draws further parallel between Pokemon and demons, as both can be captured and called upon to perform various tasks. One example is drawn from the Lesser Key of Solomon, a collection of five spellbooks that focus on demonology. The first of the books, Ars Coeti, sources many earlier works and profiles 72 demons with instructions on how to conjure them. A later version of the book by Dr. Thomas Rudd even details 72 angels that could protect the conjurer and help control the demons when summoned. What these books describe is arguably comparable to the mechanics of catching Pokémon. The theory also draws attention to many Pokémon having supernatural skills. Paranormal abilities, common in ghost and psychic-type Pokémon, are actively denounced in the Bible. One example is in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31, stating, Do not turn to mediums or necromancers. Do not seek them out and make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. A huge variety of Pokémon are also based on elements from non-Abrahamic religions or mythologies. In a broader sense, these can be considered pagan beliefs. Pagan celebrations of deities other than God have been repeatedly labeled as devil-worshipping by the Church. This mindset stems from various texts in the Bible, such as Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. One Pokémon that has psychic abilities and is based on pagan beliefs is Hypno. Hypno and its starting form Drowsy are based on the Baku from Japanese mythology. Baku are supernatural entities that devour dreams or nightmares and are often illustrated as tapers or being taper-like. One of the theory's more far-reaching claims is that when the Poké-Rap from the Pokémon anime is played in reverse, Gotta Catch Em All can be heard as I Love You Satan. Concerns from the Christian community became so widespread by the turn of the millennium that even the Pope waited on the controversy. However, the message from the Vatican wasn't what people expected to hear, as the Vatican broadcast public approval of Pokémon. They not only stated that the games contained no harmful moral side effects, but also that the series was based on ties of intense friendship and was full of inventive imagination. Some Christians tried to lean children away from Pokémon and towards something more sacred. One competitor in the UK designed a set of Christian power cards as an alternate to the Pokémon 
Pokemon trading card game. The cards featured 120 Bible characters with four stats each, faith, strength, flaws, and the amount of times they're mentioned in the Bible. Christians weren't the only group to pick fault with Nintendo. Nintendo stopped manufacturing the Japanese version of the Koga's Ninja Trick card. This was because it depicted a manji, a symbol often used to mark the location of Buddhist temples on maps, amongst other things. A Jewish civil rights group called the Anti-Defamation League protested the use of the manji, as it's visually similar to a swastika, a symbol considered very offensive by Jewish people. The original Koga's Ninja Trick cards were never intended to be sold outside of Japan, but collectors would import them to sell or trade regardless. The Anti-Defamation League recognized that the card was never intended to offend, and acknowledged the sensitivity shown by Nintendo through halting the production of the card. Israeli illusionist Yuri Geller also claimed that Kadabra was anti-Semitic in nature. He suggested that the lightning bolts on Kadabra's abdomen resembled the logo of the Nazi SS Defense Corps. In actuality, Kadabra's star and lightning bolts are based on Zener cards. These cards were used in the early 1930s and are used in a kind of guessing game to test for extrasensory perception. Though some had claimed Pokemon was anti-Semitic, many people throughout the Arab world claimed Pokemon was actually a Jewish conspiracy aiming to indoctrinate young Arabs into the Jewish faith. The LA Times documented how the sensitive situation between Jewish and Islamic peoples in the Middle East helped misinformation about the franchise to spread. These events reportedly started in Egypt, where a concerned parent heard that the word Pokemon meant there is no god in the universe. Although Pokemon seemed harmless and distributors reassured parents that Pokemon was short for pocket monsters, rumors continued to spread and evolve throughout the region. The rumors became so rampant that even high-level religious authorities weighed in on the matter. Saudi Arabia's Grand Mufti issued a ban on Pokemon, stating that some Pokemon cards have the Star of David, which everyone knows is connected to international Zionism and is Israel's national emblem. Pokemon cards never featured the Star of David. The religious authorities just misidentified the game's double colorless energy cards. Interestingly, the original Japanese release of Pokemon Red and Green displayed Alakazam with a Star of David on its forehead, though this seemed to go unnoticed by any religious officials. A flyer began to spread throughout schools in the region. It reportedly said that Pokemon besmirched God and claimed that Pikachu meant I am Jewish in Japanese. A few weeks later, a ban was issued in Dubai saying that Pokemon is based on the theory of evolution, a Jewish Darwinist theory. These events raised concerns with the Jewish community and sparked a response from the Anti-Defamation League. The League's national director, Abraham Foxman, said, That is scary. And when it comes to wrapped in fatwas, as God's truth, this is God's word, then it becomes a lot scarier. Despite all of the controversy, bannings, and removal of Pokemon memorabilia from the area, Pokemon games quickly became available again. In fact, games from the third generation of Pokemon onwards were calmly enjoyed in the region without any extensive disputes. This is considered ironic by some, as the mascots for the third generation of Pokemon games were Groudon, Kyogre, and Rayquaza, which are based on the Behemoth, Leviathan, and Ziz from Hebrew mythology. Did you know? Underneath its cheery exterior, Pokemon has its fair share of dark secrets. A recurring theme in the series involves the ghosts of humans, with one of the creepiest examples being in Pokemon Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. The Elite Four trainer Phoebe specializes in ghost Pokemon, but she also has a connection with human spirits. In the dialogue leading to Phoebe's League battle, just as the camera fades to black, a girl can be seen sitting in the chair behind her for a brief instant. The camera then cuts to this girl's point of view as she seems to stand up and approach the player. After the camera cuts again, the girl could be seen standing next to the player with her face barely visible. Nobody is certain of her purpose if 
any at all. Phoebe frequently trains at Mount Pyre, a Pokemon gravesite where she also developed her supernatural talents. During the game's story, the player obtains the red and blue orbs at the mountain's summit, guarded by an old married couple. After the events with Kyogre and Groudon in the original games, the orbs can be returned to the summit with the couple still there. The remakes have the player keep the orbs, but if they head back to Mount Pyre, they'll find just the old man at the summit, with the woman nowhere to be found. After beating the Delta episode, Phoebe can be found near the summit, talking and laughing with seemingly nobody. She'll ask what the player is doing here. If they say training, she mentions coming here to visit her grandmother, and if they say they're paying respects, Phoebe will say that her grandmother was just talking about them, and how they left a lasting impression on her. Through the trainer's eyes feature, Phoebe mentions her grandma residing on the mountain. This all but confirms the woman is Phoebe's grandma, and that she's still able to communicate with her granddaughter from beyond the grave. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl's old chateau was long since abandoned by its original owner, but ghosts still reside here. The ghost of a butler can be found sitting at a table. As the player walks further into the room, the ghost will head off-screen and vanish. Another ghost is a young girl that appears after entering the fourth room from the left. She'll appear in the next room to the right, look toward the player, then leave, never to be seen on the other side. The player can't interact with the ghosts, and their appearance isn't guaranteed, so players may never see them at all. These ghosts may be illusions caused by the ghost Pokemon that live in the chateau. All members of the ghastly line can be found in the chateau, and there's a room specifically where Gengar can be found. In this room, there's a portrait where its eyes follow the player. In Pokemon Black and White, the ghost of a little girl can appear on the Marvelous Bridge. If the player tries to approach her, she disappears, and an old woman will explain a girl used to play in the same area with her pet Abra before the bridge was built. The same ghost girl would reappear in Pokemon Black and White 2 in the strange house. The ghost girl talks about an everlasting nightmare, crying out for her parents and pet Abra. She later mentions the Lunar Wing item, saying a voice in her dreams told her to forget about finding it and to instead stay with them. She believed this voice to be her father's. When the player finds the wing, she says to give it to the Pokemon Cressilia, and that she waited on the bridge to return it herself, but can't anymore. The Lunar Wing is said to ward off nightmares, which are frequently caused by Cressilia's polar opposite, Darkrai. Entries for both Pokemon also appear in passages found in the house's library. Given all the evidence, it's believed a malicious Darkrai tormented the little girl with terrible nightmares, ultimately scaring her to death. Another startling apparition appears in Pokemon X and Y. Taking the elevator to the second floor of the fighting dojo in Lumio City will cause the music to stop and the screen to flash. After this, a girl with the model of a hex maniac appears behind the player and walks past them with no walk animation. They then utter the phrase, no, you're not the one, and disappear off screen. No further interaction with this girl takes 
place. Some players theorized the girl would play a role in some kind of in-game event at a later date, but to this day, nothing has come about. This mystery has been taken back to the source, being acknowledged by Pokemon X and Y director Junichi Masuda. In an interview with Kotaku, Masuda was asked about the ghost girl, but acted coy, claiming the team never put such a thing in the game. Kotaku's Patricia Hernandez said, I showed Masuda the video, which he watched intently, and once the ghost girl came on screen, he sort of laughed and went, ooh. In fact, he said, ooh, multiple times during our exchange, sort of with a smirk, but he didn't say more about it. Later, in 2014, the Japanese Pokemon website made a whole page devoted to the ghost girl, noting that she can only be met once. The page also included screenshots of an earlier event in the game, when the player enters Route 14's scary house and meets a man who tells a story about a horde of faceless men. The man asks for a tip after telling his story, but if the player chooses not to, he warns them they'll see something scary. The fact this scene was referenced on the Ghost Girls page made some believe the two events were connected. Ultimately, none of these theories panned out, and the true meaning behind the character was never revealed. In Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, a Hexmaniac trainer can be found on Mount Pyre. When spoken to, she utters the exact same line spoken by the XY Ghost Girl. In the Japanese version of the Gen 3 games, Hexmaniacs appear to be possessed. While their sprite has visible pupils in the Western release, the Japanese game has their eyes pure white. Many Pokémon have disturbing origins, notably several psychic types. Kadabra is said to have once been a human boy. The boy had extrasensory powers he couldn't control, and when he awoke from bed one morning, he had become a Kadabra. Drowsy is based on the Baku, a Japanese mythological figure that commonly takes the form of a tapir, and is said to eat people's dreams. The Baku is even referenced by name in Pokémon Fire Red and Stadium, as well as the anime, saying Drowsy is a direct descendant of the creature. Its evolved form, Hypno, has frequently been depicted as more of a serious threat. Pokedex entries from Sun and Moon have stated that while it rarely harms people, it's still an extremely dangerous Pokemon. Its Fire Red entry states there was once an incident where a Hypno hypnotized a child and took it away, and it's also said to appear by empty roads and schoolyards at dusk. In Fire Red and Leaf Green Sevi Islands, a young girl named Lostel is separated from her father in the Berry Forest, asking the player to save her from a wild hypno that scared her. There's also a line of adult-oriented Pokemon t-shirts released in 2008 called Pokemon 151, with hypno being one of the first four designs. The Sleeper 097 shirt depicts a hypno leading along two children by the hand, with the children presumably being hypnotized. The line was officially made available to American fans in 2016, however, the Hypno design never saw a release stateside. There's also several Pokémon whose existence is tied to human death. Yamask was born from the souls of buried humans, retaining their memories and carrying a mask resembling their former face. Yamask is based on the Death Mask, a practice where following death, a likeness of the person's face is created by making an impression with a wax cast. Its Japanese name is even Desmas, which can be seen as a combination of death and mask. Similarly, Phantump are 
created from the spirits of children who die while lost in the forest. These children possess tree stumps and become this Pokemon. The creation of Ghastly is also said to involve gases in graveyards being possessed by the grievances of the dead, and Gengar is said to have been human itself, taking people's lives in an attempt to find a companion. Both evolutions of the ice-type Snowrunt also have ties to human life. Legends say Glalie was formed when a mountain boulder absorbed a stranded climber's regrets and anguish. Frostlass, being based on the yokai Yuki Ona, was the result of a woman's lost soul in the mountains possessing an icicle. Frostlass also freezes creatures it likes and takes them back to its den, where it's said to display them as decorations. On blizzarding nights, it appears near human settlements and will even knock on doors to lure its victims. The most coveted prey of Frostlass are the souls of men, particularly handsome men. Ultra Sun and Moon have another instance of a ghost in a side quest some players won't even come across. After beating Harla's grand trial, the player can talk to a youngster on Big Wave Beach. The youngster will tell them rumors of a ghost girl at the trainer's school, an area that's empty and plays ominous music at night. The only person there is a young girl accompanied by a Drifloon, who will give the player several mysteries to solve around the school. The girl's dialogue is choppy, often making the mystery sound darker than it truly is. She describes one mystery as, at night, near burning place, someone burning and crying, you hear girl's voice. When the actual event was a girl burning love letters she wrote to a now taken crush. After solving all of the mysteries, the girl says she came to Alola from another country and doesn't speak the language very well, but is thankful for the player's help. Soon after, the school's janitor appears and asks why the player is at the school at this hour. When they try to explain, the girl has vanished, with the janitor saying the player was alone when he saw them. A child's notebook in one of the classrooms makes note of when the child stayed late after school, seeing a hypno show up with the intent of picking up the new student. Nine days later, the book says a Drifloon came to pick up the girl, though the next page in the book has been torn out. It seems the greatest mystery surrounding the school still remains unsolved.